0: Hello, welcome again to the Mike Frays podcast. i was going to be your host, Mike Thray's, in the middle of the, another lockdown in Melbourne, connected with the pandemic and something we've been through, I guess, yeah, I was about to say as a And I've been in and out of Melbourne a little bit the last 12 months. I was in the eastern suburbs around the time I started recording all these yeah, all these podcasts, and particularly, i say, he's probably almost at the foot of the mountain so on Rangers, the, so on the limits of suburban Melbourne. And I felt very distant from what was going on, at least at the heart of the city at first, and what has emerged from an, an international issue and, and something we're still dealing with today. And connected with that and what I'm experiencing and how I feel it, at least the space of conscious reality creation, Is No matter what is going on in the external reality world, ultimately our experience of reality, however it manifests, is connected to how we perceive the self, our inner reality, our inner worth of discerning us. And I've kind of wondered why in a lot of the videos and podcasts and content... I've been producing in the last few years, a lot of it seemingly off the cut, trying to access that higher conscious space where I'm not so much caught up in mind, but more in flow. A consistent theme in all of it, I and mean, in connected with all this, is that we are already worthy and deserving, that there's nothing missing in us. And while not really getting the importance of that in most of those videos and ones I've put up on Instagram as well, if you want to head over there, Mike phrase author um, is my hashtag, my handle. They've always seemed to come back to this aspect of there's nothing missing, and whenever I've produced content, as I'm producing in this moment, I've been in that flow space where I haven't been striving for mine and conceptual self, I haven't been overtly concerned with the external reality. And because my, my sense of self is not being connected to mine. it's already in the flow, if there's a fullness, there's a wholeness. The external hasn't really drawn my attention. And hence I hadn't felt a, a sense of lack. And I feel that's what I want to talk about in this in this episode today, which is built on mm-hmm. everything I've really been talking about, the I am presence, that unconditionally loving space. And I mean, them actually, where I'm sitting is right opposite of a um, cemetery where a lot of my ancestors were when I had well, been buried and they actually were connected to this place. A couple of them actually used to be the, the caretakers at the Temple So Cemetery. It's interesting that I could probably say my awakening journey, at least in the space of consciously feeling really overtly disconnected to my reality at least the first time I really began to question what all this life was for I'd probably be very much brought up the conception minor and very much focused on the externals and how am I going to achieve to please in that external reality that seems to validate worth and importance to the person both on external achievements and what with yeah how we're perceived by the external reality. Was my grandfather died when I was 21, and he's buried in this, in this cemetery here in Templestowe, along with his wife, who passed away perhaps about eight to ten years after him, and also her family, the, the, the Beals and the Johnsons, which are buried here. Is that when I, I would made a, a commitment that I would always visit his, his grave, either on his birthday or his anniversary, which are both in the month of May? every year and I think I missed one maybe in 2016 when I was away when I was traveling Island. in Ireland but, um, and the second time was this year again I actually got back to Melbourne on his birthday and I kind of got the sense that I, I didn't need to have to visit his grave anymore and this is now 18 years I'm 39 now 18 years after he's passed away and I'll get there at least one the days and it's connected with his the space for me that, as I, I, as I just went into the, the cemetery then, and I'm sitting back in the car, so I recorded this video. Is whenever I I was going to see him, I would you know see him. <laughs> the energy of him, the the memory of him, that so affected me, and I write about it. Yeah, I write about it a lot, particularly in my first, and second book, I, Michael the Journeying Army," "Set Your Code." Is when I'd come here, even though he wasn't. Physically here, in terms of the bodies, these remains are buried in the grave. I would come here and I, I would seek guidance. I would look to him, you know, I had a conversation, and as I, I I'd sit up to his grave. But every time I would come, I was always very much like, caught up in mind itself, <laughs> and this idea of what can I do to achieve, or how am I going to get there yet? You know, and this these ideas which are not really connected with flow that and, and the I am which says you you don't really have to get anywhere. There's nothing you need to do to prove your worth. So every time I was I was going to see him and I'd walk up to the gray that I connect I really feel like a conversation. Um, I'd be very much in my in my mind and have that really heartfelt conversation. But as I felt called to go along here today in early June I walked up and it was cold or windy and it feeling feeling more connected to the body I wasn't so much drawn to meaning to have a conversation meaning to be in the mind having I mean to achieve and this was kind of connected with on the drive here that I was thinking so much around we seem to create our own suffering from the belief, the condition from the belief that we need to get there and <laughs> this is also built on before I left I read a, I've been reading a book by Bukowski Charles Bukowski, and I, I actually acquired two these books when I was overseas in Europe and Ireland in 2016, when I last missed, been to visit my grandfather's grave, the annual visit to his grave. And Bukowski, he yeah, he's such an a, a intriguing, interesting writer. But you can kind of, when you approach his work or any other real work from the space of Zen and, and kind of spiritual awakening, you read in his writing consistently meaning these outer manifestations of self this self where he's following his heart but he's obviously he's got a, he's living a reality that's still very unworthy inside so he's consistently meaning manifestations of the self and not feeling worthy but he, what makes the writing interesting is he's sharing these these sensations he's not moving towards a conceptual identity or he's sharing these these feelings and these doubts. That maybe a lot of other authors wouldn't necessarily express so clearly under the page. And it's raw, it's vulnerable, but he's meeting projections of the self wherever he goes. And the projections, like what Neville Goddard talks about, everyone as he pushed out, is they're reflecting back to all those parts where he doesn't feel worthy. And this is that interesting thing is he, he recounts in this story, his story, Post Office, his debut novel. And in other books, I also read Pulp, which was actually his last one. I've kind of bookended the Berkowski journey with the first and the last novel. They are very similar in style and structure, but there's this sense that he's very much, he's he's on the journey and he's frustrated with all the reflections and projections of self that he needs. But there's also this awareness that nothing he ever really does is going to be good enough. It's not really going to achieve. And it's in that space of whenever kind of, when he's letting go of the need to achieve anything. I think it's actually, ironically, it's, apparently it's on his tombstone. It says, don't try. And if you, you believe that, you kind of apply that from a, maybe a lower conscious space. You might think he, what he's saying is don't, you know, he might be advocating be a bum or, or you know, give up a life. That's, for me, for my higher conscious space, that's not what he's suggesting and either with people are kind of connected with being introduced linking to that before it was put on his tombstone that he was saying that whenever he was trying the efforting and a lot of his books are he seemingly met his challenges when he's in that trying the effort to kind of maintain or achieve self he's trying to conform to a society that's wanted to put him in a box based on identity whenever he's in that space of competing and trying to force he's meeting those challenges but the ability to actually share his stories, be the flow we create, he's, he's rightly advocated. is the sense of not trying, it being in flow and allowing that life can be so much more harmonious when we give up the need to try. But it can be feel very difficult to not try when, with many of us in a conditioned to prove our worth, our deservingness as individuals on trying. And so as I visited the, the grave today, you know, I went in the space of not trying, no longer needing to prove to anyone, to anything, to any relationship, to a deceased grandfather who was the world for me, not having to try, I finally accepting that maybe there was never anything wrong with me, is there, there's nothing wrong with you or anyone else. I walked up the, the steep walkway and I was looking more at the lovely trees the other neighbouring plots I sat down, I, I had a bit of lunch, lodge and I kind of walked back past the grave and said thanks and then I saw the cemetery from the different space, I looked upon every, all the, the stones and the, the cobblestones on the, on the driveway, the trees and I considered that although it's been wonderful to kind of visit this, this tomb gray in this headstone every, every year for 18 years. My grandfather, like all of us, he's in every blade of grass, he's in every stone, he's in every aspect of us. He's, it's an energetic being and, and the people that we kind of come in and out of our lives, whether they're still alive or they're deceased, they're a reflection of us on that journey and ultimately we can reframe that, that kind of that story for one of why was he or she taken away from us to a space of thank you for everything you helped awaken within us, to realise there was nothing in missing in the proverbial me, the me that is not necessarily identity, it's the I am, the divine, the divine part of us, which yes, it's confusing because it wears a cloak of skin and personality and name and form, and there's nothing wrong with the skin, the body, the name and the form, but the attachment to it is what seems to be the problem. I, I woke up this morning and I meditated and I've been thinking of quotes to, to kind of put at the, the beginning of the, the writing project. It's kind of like a little lead-in as a theme. And there was one connected with, with Hamlet that Ekatole used through New Earth. It's something connected with, you know, there's nothing really good or bad, it's only the mind that makes it so... And the one that kind of came to, to my, into my consciousness this morning, I'm not always great at kind of recalling quotes, but it was basically a long time ago. It's from Julius Caesar, another Shakespeare quote. The fault is not in our stars, dear Brutus, but in our eyes or our hearts. But the fault is not in our, what we believe, the external reality has done to us it's not the good or bad the, the, the external that makes reality bad it's the consciousness within our the, how we perceive reality in our eyes in our heart that deems whether things are good or bad right or wrong it affects our experience of reality and this is what seems to happen at least on the awakening journey and has, has what I'm feeling into today and I find a challenge is connected with everything I've been talking about lately. The awakening seems to literally detach you from every aspect of identity or external reality where you've, yeah, attached to external worth. You've kind of used someone or something or some identity, whether it is your name or achievement, to prove your worth. And what seems to happen is while that is incredibly difficult, and this began for me when I was 21. The person I most prized my worth pilot and looked up to was taken away. It, it kind of created, at least initially, in this victim space, incredible disenchantment, frustration, and I wondered what was all this for? What was all this about? It, but ultimately, wanted, that was the first step on that journey for me. And while that continued into other friendships, relationships, patterns, Work life, and all these challenges which I've read about, the books um, which I've shared on Amazon and they're available for sale from my, my website, my com. All these lessons of awakening, accessing higher conscious, to change your life through coming into that heart space. Is that to allow conscious change in? They're all connected to removing the unconscious attachments, and the unconscious attachments are all generally karmic calls or spaces of self where we've looked to an external reality to affirm our worth so while we can continue conceptualizing and consuming and looking to that external world to say that you're a good or bad person right or wrong that you can have that treasure because you've achieved these things or you look that way or you're pleasing to other people the ultimate counter is to the awakened Ion presence within you that is ultimately or is facilitating the detachment of all those spaces. And while they... It, in wanting to hold up an identity, the, the stubbornness that might have been <laughs> the, the strength to build up the identity, the stubbornness is also what kind of can connect with the ability for it to be dismantled. But funny enough... In holding on to something so whatever you're holding on to so strongly fixed more likely it will be poured away easier because it's shown as such a, a great illusion it's shown when it, something happens to disrupt that its only shown how disruptive that was to this idea that you you know that you need someone else in order to be worthy but this seems to be the greatest magic trick you know is that we're not God are we the greatest trick that seems to be going on with our energy is that we continue looking, whether it's the God of materiality or the God of identity, the God of kind of, yeah, ex- perceiving our, our, how good or bad we are as a person, depending on what we've achieved in the world, rather than going the other way and saying that there's nothing ever missing, that we're always worthy and deserving. And this is what it might sound like a subtle shift just to look at. Okay, my external reality is, is never going to actually provide fulfilling, and lasting content, happiness. It can never actually, you can never get to unconditional love in the external reality. But you have to be unconditional love, and to feel that sense of your reality. That might seem like a subtle difference, just a different perception, but it's it's kind of like it has to affect everything you you do and be in the world because it's a complete. Even though there's subtleties in words and language it has to shift your whole experience of reality because if you're no longer looking for the external to prove, validate your worth, all your relationship dynamics must must change. You will no longer try to get energy off people or situations, kind of archetypal spaces where you're looking to prove your worth, getting poured into duality, a mire, a delusion of not being God. You no longer go around trying to seek the self and it's really a Yeah, you kind of block the flow. Because whenever you try to effort and outdo or compete or take energy off something rather than being harmonious flow with the I am, the divine spirit for you, you're disrupting both yours and the external reality of energy flow. You're perpetuating this illusion that you're not worthy. But to be in the space of harmony, and it's quite likely if you're listed as late, you will probably find as you're embodying this, you will be in that space of two worlds. Well as the awakening is really in that, that space and how I felt on the Camino and all these things where walking a Camino with having nothing but and no real clear objective other than walk each day, but feeling in flow and feeling of purpose. To kind of understand that, to then go back to a world which didn't view reality in the same so way, but that, that reality was simply a reflection of how I viewed myself, how I perceived the program around lack in competition, effort, identity being an indicator is worth. So it seems like you will be in those kind of two world spaces of the awakening journey where you can practice this, you embody this, you be unconditional love and you feel it and you feel the soul and but yes the, the reality, external reality will quite likely occasionally pull you out of that. You, you will come across situations where <laughs> you'll have the reminder of that like maybe someone criticized you or you can feel like you're in a space where it can be very easy to judge and one of the things I talked about recently it may have been on one of my YouTube videos rather than here in the podcast is that a subversive way of the ego is ultimately to, to kind of judge the people around you as not being as spiritual or as conscious as you because you're still wanting to Unconsciously use them to prove your worth. You can be playing out that spiritual ego space of the yogi, that the yogi, uh, spiritual truth seeker archetype is also somewhat connected to the the spiritual ego. That the the yogi who's all too religious or all too spiritual, more spiritual than others, is ultimately kind of cast others in a space of not being good enough. So, this is an interesting thing. It's often like the to live from the space of unconditional love, to be God, to be divine, is to be identityless, is to be in the moment, the flow. But the flow will take many different forms, and it's not necessary. It can't be necessarily measured, defined, quantified. It's really this willingness to kind of be zen, be in the moment, to be that conscious of the I am. But the ability to be zen, to be in flow, is. As I've mentioned in some of these earlier episodes, to be unconditional love is to feel unconditional love, is to actually perceive that your worth and deservingness is not defined by the out there. So there is simultaneously thing you can't, you can't kind of reach towards awakening, you can't achieve awakening. Awakening is a conscious state of presence, of being in the flow of the now. To be in the flow of the now is ultimately to see that you don't need to control the now to achieve worth. You're not looking for the present moment to validate an identity because the identity is already full and that identity is identityless. I am. So ultimately to be in flow is to give up identity, give up the illusion that we're not missing anything. Thanksgiving for watching, I say watching often, watching, listening, being part of this this experience of listening to my my thoughts and feelings and the children flow on spiritual awakening. Yeah. I feel it's not necessarily something that can be conceptually understood or explained and even to kind of you may yourself this listening to what I'm talking about, maybe it didn't necessarily make a lot of conceptual sense. But I feel that's kind of part of the point that to live without identity could be seen as impractical, non-conceptual, not, it can't be rationalised, but that's kind of the point, the conceptualization identity is what pulls us back into Maya, and the sense that our identity of worth is out there. Talk to you again soon, bye for now.